The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, asking to be paid. You've got a product or service to provide. You love for people to experience it, but alas, you also need income from the time and money you spend developing and delivering your product or service, which means not just sales, but the ultimate setting of a price and asking to be paid. This is not a fun aspect for many people. In fact, it's often a place of severe dread with so much negative attached to it. Well, this show is for you. It's packed with honestly paradigm shifting perspective changers you can take action on right now. So I kick off the show with a three and a half minute clip from Zig Ziglar where he shares a time when he was kindly chastised for selling his books and tapes and resources from the stage where he was presenting and told it took away from his credibility. So how did he respond? Well, you're going to hear about it in just a moment. From Zig's message, I asked the Ziglar audience this question. For those of you with a product, service, or message you truly believe in, how do you feel about the task of of actually selling it and asking others to pay. I know I always say we get great comments, but friends, this turned into possibly one of the most valuable shows on how we can perceive what we provide with health and clarity and charge for it with peace, joy, and confidence. So I'm going to queue up our clip from Zig Ziglar for you next, followed by Tom and I conducting a powerful guidebook on selling your product or services right after I share what else we have for you and some great products and services. On occasion, I have encountered people who think I am in the business of selling speeches, books, and tapes. As a matter of fact, several years ago, I received a beautiful letter from a man who was genuinely concerned about me. Here is the essence of what the letter said. Dear Zig, let me encourage you to discontinue the sale of books and tapes from the platform when you make your public appearances. I believe it damages your image and perhaps affects the attitude of the audience in the process. I am completely convinced that this man's motivation was aimed at my best interest, and for that I am most grateful. Here's my response to him. Dear friend, Thank you very much for your beautiful letter of concern. Yours is the type letter I love to receive. It was not judgmental, nor did you condemn me for what I am doing. You simply offered, out of your heart, a suggestion you felt was in my best interest, and I'm grateful for that. However, let me explain to you why we offer the books and tapes to our audiences. First is the fact that one person in seven who calls to buy tickets to a seminar asks if we're going to have the books and tapes available. If that many ask, I have reason to believe others are also interested. Second, if the people who come to a seminar like what they hear, they often want to carry the facts and feelings home with them. Many of them even say, boy, I'd like to take you home with me. Well, making the books and tapes available allows them literally to do this. Less than 4% of the actual presentation time is spent in explaining what products are available. So there's very little time lost. Actually, because of the way I do the product presentation, I teach as I'm explaining the buying options. 
Third, and most importantly, by actual count for every letter we receive that says, your seminar changed my life, we get over 200 letters, phone calls, and verbal accounts that say my books and tapes changed their lives. The reason is simple. They can read and listen many times, and repetition is the mother of learning and the father of action, which means that repetition is the architect of accomplishment. With this in mind, I would like to emphasize that I'm not in the speech business, seminar business, or book and tape business. I am in the business of changing lives. Yes, I realize that I run the risk of offending some who attend the seminar, and I deeply regret that. I wish it were possible to accomplish all the objectives without offending even one person. However, many years ago, I accepted the fact that there was a certain amount of risk in anything we do, and I decided that the benefits which the prospect gains from the purchase were greater and more important than any risk I took to explain the products that were available for sale. Please let me make this abundantly clear. When you truly believe what you have to offer is for the benefit of your prospect, you will take a certain number of calculated risk to persuade your prospect to take action in their own best interest. You will do it politely, pleasantly, and professionally, but you will do it. When you want your prospect to take action, you will talk about the benefit to them and lead with need. Well, Tom, as you know, I said in the intro, I mean, obviously this is about sales, but I really like that everybody in the comments took it towards that specific issue of asking for money. And honestly, the a primary spirit of this came out in a couple of the first two comments. So if you're game, I'm going to read those and then you and I will hit it. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Daryl, he said, Daryl Rostick, he says, I love the task of selling it because I'm actually selling, and here it is, the value of it. It's not about my service. It's about the value I'm adding to their life. Being able to quantify that uh, is, is not only a skill, but makes me that much more excited about providing a service I believe in. Right after it, Wayne Meyer says, it's a very interesting question, one that I've struggled with until I understood that my service has value. Again, that word I've taken and still take training on how to frame my business and service offerings where they make sense and are valuable to my clients. I want to serve well and provide value for the investment my clients make in me. I think keeping it simple and being honest and transparent and having integrity in your dealings with clients helps tremendously. Also identifying my ideal client was very important as my service is not for everyone. Tom, right there, value. I mean, that word I, I love, and that is such a, and I know we talk about sales a lot. I mean, Ziegler is you know one of the primary brands of sales on planet earth. Uh, and, you, but looking at that, generally when people hear sales, they think I am here to sell this you know bottle to someone so I can get paid. And of course, the Ziegler way is the exact opposite. And it's, it's here to say, I am here to help someone with my product or service, if it is the right fit for them at the right time. And it's really others focused. Now, of course, 
we want to get paid. We're not all working for free. Well, actually, some people here talk about that. But again, I mean, that you know that, you've known this, you've been hearing and preaching this message all your life. And yet here in today's day and age, I don't feel like it's something that people know that much. It's, you know, common sense that's less common than, than ever. And I think we're in a less, we're in less of a good sales culture than we ever have been to some degree. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And especially now with, uh, you know, everybody's going through the pandemic money's tighter for most people than it's ever been. Uh, and, and so people start to feel a little weird about asking for money. Uh, I remember when I was brand new to sales and we were selling at an event, dad was speaking and this young guy comes up and he was about my age, which means he was just getting started. And uh, he was looking at one of the programs we had and I think it was about $250. So, you know, think 30 years ago, uh, $250, not insignificant. And he said, wow, I really like that program. How much is it? Because he just heard dad talk about it. I gave him the investment. And he looked at me and he shook his head. And he said, wow, that's just a lot of money. Uh, I'm brand new in sales and I could buy a really nice suit for that money. So he walked off. He didn't get it. I didn't know what to say. And so I went to dad and I said, what do you do when they say that? And he said, well, son, deep down, you've got to believe that this program that we have can change his life, but, but that suit won't. It's on the inside that matters. Yeah. And so the way we sell value is we've got to see the value in it first. We've got to believe in it. Dad called it uh, cooking in, his, in, in your own cookware. And when, it, when you look at potential, the limiting factor for potential is self-image. If, if you look at somebody who's, whose potential is limited uh, or who caps themselves or doesn't do as well as, as everybody thinks they should, it's a self-image. And what is self-image? It's, it's a limiting belief, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a belief that says, well, I'm not worthy. You know, who would ever do that? It's, you know, it's not right, blah, 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 blah. And so selling value really depends on you having that belief and that self-image that allows you to go and do it. That's why another story, uh, another young guy came up to me and he said, I've got $100. I'm brand new in sales. Which one of these two programs should I get? And at that event, he, he pointed at Secrets of Closing the Sale, which is the ultimate audio program for salespeople. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And then he pointed at another program, which was foundational called how to stay motivated. It was a hundred dollars. And he said, I can only get one. Which one do I get? Well, the logical instinct is, well, he's in sales. He just started in sales. Let's get him the sales one. So I said, well, the experts here, let's ask him. Dad was signing uh, books at the table next to him. And I said, dad, this guy has enough money for one of these programs. He's brand new in sales. Which one should he get? Stuff, And he goes, oh, that's easy. He needs how to stay motivated. Because if your thinking's right, if your belief in yourself is right, then everything else follows. You can give the wrong person all the right skills and they'll still struggle. <laughs> you give the right person the foundation they need, 
the skills will come. Yeah. Right. So it, it's, it starts with that, that belief and that value and what it is. And I got this, of course, you know, the clip that everybody heard at the top of this show was, you know, Zig talking about the guy who critiqued him or criticized him kindly for selling at his events and saying, now that takes away, you know, from that. My lesson early on, Tom, was uh, the opposite. It was my dad. And we went to some, no, I think he was, I think he bought entrance into some event, some seminar. It was a Ziegler event or a Carnegie event or something like that. Anyways, I just remember as a kid, so let's say I was 12, 13 years old and he paid $500. Like, are you $500? I mean, as a kid, that's, that's, we don't spend, that's like a car, you know? I mean, back then, uh, $500, how can you, in, in so many words, I ask, how can he justify that? He said, he said, Kevin, I, I've done these things before. That $500 will probably help me make $50,000, you know, this year. Uh, that investment, that, and we're talking about ROI, that return on investment. And again, we are just, and I have still been, even knowing this, I have been guilty for putting a product or putting a service out there and talking about it. This is about, you know, here, here, let me tell you about my product or service. And I've got to come back to that internal voice that says, nobody cares. Nobody cares about the product or service. They care about the results. So you're going to sell them this so that what, what can they do with that? What can they get out of that? So that what, what is that end goal? And we just don't, it's, 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 uh, it's not common sense. Uh, and that, that is, the key that changes so much when we're clear on the value, but you brought that up though. And I think that there's some people, and as we read down here, uh, who are, who are saying, well, you know what, let me read them, Tom. Cause there's some people that are questioning that, especially coming at it new. So let me, let me read a couple here. Kristen Nunes. She just said, yeah, it's hard for me. And Nicole Young right after that said me too, because I'm a newbie. And until I can get some client results under my belt, I struggle with showing value. Even though I've taken a few practice clients through my program, I don't feel that they're getting out of it. What a client would because it's free. I just want to take everyone for free until I can prove myself. Yet business people say most people undercharge even when they're new. It's a struggle for sure. And I, I folks, I didn't look back on it, but I think in the last show you and I did, Tom, show eight, 18, episode 818, I believe we talk, uh, talked about that because we talked about credibility, establishing credibility. If not 818, it might have been 816. Uh, we, we do the even numbers. And um, that is difficult when you are young. And we talk about that. Yeah, offering something for free, especially if it's a co coaching or consulting aspect. People generally don't see value if you're offering it for free and they often don't engage as much. But of course, you can't come out of the gate or it's hard to justify coming out of the gate at a top notch price point. But what are some ways you can do that? And my gosh, my dad, Dave Ramsey, who are both buddies, they started off at Sunday schools and church, kind of a different flavor because it feels like, you know, this is an offering. This is something that I'm doing for the church. And so people equate, I think, more value with it. It's not a pitch to do it at a church, but even if it's a local civic group or whatever, say, hey, this is just a, a ministry that I'm doing to provide. Nobody knows that you've never done it before. And you go in there and you do it for free. You do it for testimony. I did it once, Tom. I did do a class one time at a church and it just resulted in people saying, Hey, I want more. What can I, you know, what's the charge to get more? And I, I let them pay me. 
uh, at that point. So there are some ways to do that, but you know that's a very real issue when you're getting started, especially. And if you've done it for free, then to say, oh my gosh, now I want to ask for money. And that scares a lot of people. Yeah, here's something I learned uh, both from dad and also uh, I'll tell you an interesting story about Dan Kennedy, who is, you know, kind of one of the most well-known marketers uh, that are out there. Uh, and it's the idea of the guarantee. And, and I'm going to speak specifically to uh, people who are selling consulting and coaching and, and things where it's mainly your time. Uh, but you know, when I'm a coach and I, and I'm, a, I'm a, what I call a, a, a legacy coach. And so I work with people, uh, who are already successful, who are wanting to leave a legacy by design. And, you, you know, I won't go into what my, what the investment is, but it's significant. Uh, and, and I, I have a guarantee, I, you know, and, and I say, look, this has got to be a win-win for both of us. And, you know, you can pay as you go, or you can, you can pay up front for the whole thing and save a little bit. And here's my rate. And if you, for whatever reason, if you're unhappy or if life changes or whatever, I, I will, ref I'll give you back, you know, anything that we haven't done. And I'm going to ask you every time, man, did we do a good job? Are you happy? Or are you satisfied? And so what does that do for me? Uh, it allows me to go in and represent value right out of the gate. And so if you're brand new offering uh, a program that involves your, your uh, services in your time, just say, look, we're going to have a, a, an onboarding thing. That's just part of the process. It's what I do before I decide if you're a fit for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then when we get started, here's the plan. And if at the end of the first session, it's not working for you, and, and, and you either want your money back or you want to stop, that's fine too. We, we'll work it out. Why am I doing this? Because my number one thing in my life is reputation, right? Reputation. And I understand that it's not a fit for everybody. And also, I've been around long enough to have people who were working, everything's going great. And then they get a diagnosis, something goes sideways in their life. And they're like, I can't do this right now. And I'm like, you know, well, let me help you. I understand, you know, and I try to give them more and, and find a reasonable thing. Now, Dan Kennedy, he, he looks at it this way. So he asked this question. If you had a well-intentioned customer and they came to you and for whatever reason, it didn't work out and they had a legitimate request and they asked for their money back, would you give it to them? Well, 99% of people with high level of integrity say yes, right? Because that's just the way we operate. Yeah. And But yet those same 99%, probably 10% of them or less, will ever mention that their program's guaranteed, even though they're going to give the money back if somebody says going to have the money back. And so his his logic is, why would you be willing to give the money back but not use it as a reason for people to get in? Mm -hmm. And so what he says is that, you know, because of his no risk offers, I don't know what the, you know, what the percentage is, but he might sell 50% more, twice as much more, three times as much more. And does he give a little bit more back than if he didn't offer that? He does. 
because people are more willing to give it a go. And if it's not a fit, they just come back and he makes them happy. And then he has amazing ways to make them happy where he gets testimonials out of them where they'll actually say, Hey, whatever, whatever Dan says is the truth, because, you know, you come in, you give it the shot. And if it doesn't work, you ask for your money back, they'll give it to you. So if you have any questions, do what I did, give it a shot. It'll probably work for you. My, my situation was unique. What have you got to lose? What a powerful way to start building a brand with that. But what does it really do? It frees your belief up, right? To, to go ahead and say, hey, this is what I'm worth. And remember, and, and I think we talked about on an earlier episode, your value is not what you charge. Your value is the difference that it makes in the life of that customer. And a lot of times, especially in coaching and, and those kind of things, that's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to hit on, I, I don't want to leave that aspect of the guarantee, which is such a safety net for people to see that when we were talking, I was, I got my online marketing teeth, especially cut uh, by guarantees. You offer guarantees and had one guy, man, I cannot remember who it was anymore. And he was really well known for doing a, you know, a 200% money back guarantee. This doesn't work for you. And I'll only give you your money back. I'll give you double your money back, you know, and, and really hitting on that. I do want to hit one piece of that though, when people are thinking about that. And if you're cringing a little bit at the thought of having to take somebody's money, put your investment in, and then possibly give that money back. And whether or not you feel like you can afford to or, or whatnot, generally, as to what you said, Tom, you can't afford not to. So if you are paid 500 bucks or 1500 bucks or whatever it may be, and for whatever reason, somebody asks for the money back, even if you think they are taking advantage of you, even if they think they're doing it to take advantage of that guarantee, which I don't know that I, I can't remember ever that having happened, having happened to me, Tom, but if that were to happen... And you were to say, hey, this is not fair. One, I'm going to lose this money, maybe money you needed. I worked for it. And I think this person is taking advantage of me. I'll tell you uh, what I have seen is if you say no and hold on to that money, it'll cost you a whole, whole, whole lot. And I say this, folks, I had a company. Uh, it's one of my businesses and we got a charge. This, this, so I'm in the midst of this. I got a charge for $1,200, which to me, it's, it's a lot of money, 1200 bucks. Okay. It's not coming out of my personal, it's not coming out of the business and business can afford it, but 1200 bucks. It was for a charge for something that we purchased a year ago. And this is a reoccurring charge. Our fault. We didn't see the recurring charge, but most companies, best business practices is to let you know a few days ahead of time, you know, Hey, you're going to be charged. This company either didn't, or somehow it, maybe it, it found it was in spam. We can't find it. And so it hit us. We, we found out and I contacted them four days later. I just got a thing back from them this morning saying, Hey, I'm, you know, so sorry this happened, but due to our policy, we cannot refund that. And I said, Hey, I appreciate, you know, you looking into it, but that's not acceptable. It's bad business practices in today's world that nobody can afford that. And, uh, um, you, you know, you guys need to, you guys need to do better. And of course they said, we're going to escalate it and whatever. And I said, great. I mean, there's, there's also no, the cost of me being a jerk, even if I think it's fair is also not worth it. Uh, you know, either way, man, we got to look at the cost of this. So I, I just appreciate you bringing that up, Tom, because that's an issue. When we look at goodwill, it's pretty much worth 
everything on both sides. It's going to cost them. Well, I'm not going to be vindictive, but you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to recommend that company to anyone. If they come up, I'm going to caution people. It'll cost them a lot more than that $1,200 uh, to not give it back to me. But again, likewise, who knows who's a part of that company and what could happen to my integrity if I'm a jerk. So no reason not to be as sticky, sweet and nice and firm as possible. So That's right. I wanted That's to put right. that out there because I know a lot of people are going to hear that and it can be a struggle. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode on asking to be paid for what we provide, for the value we provide. Next, Tom shares a similar story as I just did of being charged for something he didn't use. But as you'll find out, there's a reason he was just fine with that. And we'll jump right back in and hear why after I share some great products and services with you. Well, you know... Uh... This is interesting because it just happened. I was scheduled to go in March to speak in uh, Oregon. And of course, actually it was April. So the pandemic hit, so we don't go. And so I booked a hotel room in a mom and pop place. And uh, so I called them and, and they were willing to change it. And so we changed it one time. And then this is a really nice place on the beach, okay? And it's a little inn there that's that's uh, everybody recommended. And so they were so kind. And well, then we rescheduled again, and I forgot that I had the the room. Oh yeah. So they called me when I was supposed to. You know, it was like nine o'clock or ten o'clock at night, and they said, "Mr. Ziegler, are you coming?" And I said, "Oh my gosh, it totally slipped my mind." And uh, they said, "Well, we can rebook it if you like." And so, Kevin, this is horrible. Uh, so we rescheduled it, rebooked it, and this week I was supposed to be in Oregon. <laughs> Slipped my mind again, and uh, they called again, but I was already asleep. Oh, no. uh, and then the charge came through uh, the next day, and you know what my feeling was on the inside? Hmm. I'm just, I'm just going to reach out to them and thank them and, and say, hey, just treat me nice when I come in next time. Yeah. Right. Because they did everything that a business is supposed to do. Yeah. Right. In a, in a trying situation. And so it's really good to, you know, how would you want to be treated if the, if the, if you were in the other seat, that's just a, a, a great way. Uh, but, you know, dad said this, he said, selling is a transference of feeling. And so when we ask for money, what what the person who's hearing us asks when we say, hey, you know, this is X, what is the feeling that we're transferring to them? Is it 100% resolute belief that this is the best decision they could ever make? Or do they feel a little bit of apprehension like, wow, that's a lot of money. I would never pay that. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's the conviction level you've got to have. Yeah. Well, talk about conviction, and you mentioned before just being confident what we have to offer. Here's a great response, Dana, Dana, uh, Dana Cobb. She says, and she was actually referring to uh, Kristen's post earlier. She says, "I became an NAHA. I'm not sure what that stands for. Certified professional aromatherapist over a year ago, but I can't figure out how to explain it well. I meet people where they are and address issues like anxiety, stress, pain, etc." 
People just stare at me blankly. I'm obviously not explaining it well. I guess I don't know how to explain how it serves them. I just started the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. I have got to learn how to explain what I do to people or I'll not be making any money. It's just not clicking with me how to explain it. Like Kristen said above, cleaning houses makes sense to people, but things like coaching or aromatherapy blending aren't quite as cut and dry. So looking forward to getting some insight on what exactly I'm doing wrong. I think, Dana, you just you just spoke for a whole lot of people out there. And as we have ever, ever more, my gosh, I mean, Tom, if we looked at my little town and looked at the well, I was going to say the white pages. It doesn't exist anymore. Or the yellow pages, uh, you know, a long time ago. But theoretically, the yellow pages, there were X amount of businesses, even for the same amount of populace. Today, that list of businesses would be 10 times as, as many. We have, you know, not only competition, but just new things that are maybe they're not even necessities, but so many things. And I think people more and more are finding things that they have found value in, but they do have a hard time providing a tangible explanation of the value they provide. Yeah. So I'm going to go out a little bit out on a limb and I'm going to, I'm going to just make a, an educated guess that the, the aroma therapy uh, business that you're in, you're in it because you yourself experience some amazing benefits from that. Okay. And so one of the things that we have to be real careful of, and, and dad talks about this in Secrets of Closing the Sale, is the difference between features, functions, and benefits, right? And we get really wrapped up in features and functions and we forget about the benefits. Features and functions are like, yeah, you know, we, we, we get this plant oil from, uh, you know, a, you know a, a place in South America, it's the highest purity and it goes through this process and, the parts per million is blah and you know and the person who's hearing you is like well that's awesome but i don't care right because it's all features and and then it's like you know and we put it in these little vials that make it real easy to use well that's function and what they really want to know is the benefit and so here's a really simple kind of strategy uh is you've got to be problem solving focus what problem do you solve and so what about this? Uh, do you get headaches? Do you, do you have a hard time falling asleep? Uh, do you get tension in your shoulders and your neck from stress? Uh, do you have, and somebody's like, well, yeah, I have all that. Me too. I had the same thing. And it was causing this, this, and this. What's, what's you know, when, you, when those things happen to you, what does that mean for you? And they'll say things like, oh, you know, I'm just tired all the time because I'm not getting enough sleep. My relationships at home are suffering because of this and this. And, and so, so what you're doing then is you've identified a problem and now you really want to focus in on the pain. You know, what does it cost you? What does a headache, you know, every three days cost you? What does never enough sleep cost you? And, you know, what are the downsides? And then you say, well, what would be like, what would life be like if, if you got enough sleep and you didn't have headaches and these other things happen? And then they start painting the picture, okay? And so the difference between the vision of how life could be and the pain of how life is right now, the difference in those two things is we call the gap. 
And so what aromatherapy does, you know what we, I, I fill in the gap. I have something that changed my life and you, you can do a personal testimonial. You can talk about somebody else who did it. And we were able to address a couple of these issues. And you know what? I get over eight hours of sleep every night and I'm able to enjoy this, this, and this because of it. You know, does it, if, if this makes sense, would you like, would you like for me to show you what we have that might make a huge difference in your life? And so that's the thing is what are the benefits? So here's what you got to remember on the benefit. The, we need to have an incredible benefit juxtaposed against the pain that they're in now, because the number one reason your, your number one competition isn't somebody else selling aromatherapy. It's them choosing to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to, we've got to really focus in on, okay, what's, what's, what's the cost of them doing nothing. Yeah. You know, how is no sleep working for you? That's a Dr. Phil question, right? Very badly. Very badly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tom, I, I, I love that. And this is, you know, this speaks to me specifically because these folks are talking about the health and wellness arena. As you know, that's a primary part of my vocational pursuits these days. And the number one thing that will turn me off, that is, I believe the number one claim is that what I have is good for everybody and good for everything. It may be, you just can't sell that way. You're not gonna get any traction. We meet with some of the biggest supplement companies. I've toured their plants and they come in and let's take a, probi a probiotic or, or just a multivitamin. Who would it help? Everybody. And, and what will it help? Well, it'll help everything. That is the worst sale though, because you can generally say that about every single supplement. So in essence, who should not take every single supplement? Well, there's nobody that shouldn't take that. Okay, well, there's nobody who can actually consume 200 vitamins a day. You know, and now we're going, that's just supplements. And then we go into aromatherapy and we go into essential oils and we go into, you know, massage. I mean, there's a hundred different things. The number one thing that's going to hurt you is that claim. It'll help everyone with everything. Even if it's true, don't say it. And you've got to go figure out who your target market, your best Let's say that your best target market, and you know this, Tom, I mean, as a speaker, your best bet is not to talk to, in essence, the whole room. Now you may need to look at them, scan them, make some eye contact, but you're wanting to talk as if you were talking to that one person out there that needed you most. You and I are both in the middle of books, uh, writing books, and that we need to be writing to a person, not to just the people out there. And so here, one of the ways I love coming at it too, is to claim, who is this for? This product, my product, my service, this is for you if. Fill in that sentence. And you can't say if you're breathing. That's, you can't do that. This is for you if, and this is not for you if. Uh, one of the ways I like within, in this, you know, the game, the medical health and wellness is to say, hey, if you have tried this before, if you've tried these things that haven't worked for you, this may be for you. Or if you don't like X, and for me, it's often, if you, if you know you're not finding the answers you want in traditional medicine, then let's look over here and talk about that. But again, we want to target that. And even you're better off to, you're going to attract more people if you repel some. Now, repel is a hard word, but if you're, you're going to make yourself more attractive if you make yourself not attractive here to say, again, go back, this is for you if, and this is not for you, 
if X, Y, Z, I mean, aromatherapy, man, you're, if my wife loves smells, she is highly influenced and inspired by smells. And likewise, she's also very uh, discouraged by bad smells. It's a big part of her. I, I mean, my nose works, but I would never think about smell. I would never buy a scent. I would never think of uh, trying to have a smell be around. I mean, I love the smell of food, but I just, I just, that's not how I think. I'm probably not a great target market. And speaking of that too, that's another big thing that I want to put out there for everybody to hear is for you to decide, are you there with your product, your service, your offering, whatever you're selling, and you're trying to awaken people to the need? Or are you trying to talk to the people who already know about it? I almost always, and this is just me, Tom, uh, I am generally never in the business of awakening people. That's just not my skill set. I don't do cold calling. I'm a warm lead type of guy. I want to talk to the people who already have an interest and get them excited about what we have that has maybe something different for them than what I try to steer away from better, but this is something different for those. I'm not as much in the awakening business, though that needs to happen out there as well. There's lots of opportunity, but it's just a great, great question to ask yourself. So those are a couple different ways, pieces to look at. Yep. I love what you just said, Kevin. I can tell you in our corporate experience, when we would go in and do training programs for corporations and businesses of all sizes, our first question was, tell me about the last training program you did. And if they say, well, we've never done one, we know we're in for a long road because <laughs> they don't believe it works, right? Yeah. They, they're, they're thinking they're missing something, but they're not sure what it is. And that's why we're in. And so that tells you a lot. If they can tell you about their last training experience, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they're uh, hoping to get this time. Yeah. It's the same question on health. What have you done so far to address this need in your life? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Great. Again, great. These are, these are foundational pillars for everybody out there with how you position and think of your, your product and service. Uh, this is a great one. James Woosley. I have known James for a long time. He was, uh, uh, he and I walked together in some business things a long time ago, but he says, I struggled with selling for years for all the learning I did around the sales process. It wasn't until I had something I absolutely believed in that it got easy. I knew it had value and I knew I could deliver an excellent service. Sales calls weren't about selling anymore, just sharing and serving, not worrying about closing a deal. Not that closing isn't important. It's just that when I relaxed and had that level of belief and confidence, I could win 80 to 90% of the time. And Tom, it reminds me, and I'm, I'm smiling because it's always been an interesting perspective that I'll hear somebody who says, oh, selling, I hate selling, even if they're not really critical of the profession, but they're just saying, hey, for me, myself, oh, you know, I don't like selling. I'll hear that from artists. They're artists. God love you. Uh, well, I think we're all artists, but the ones I'm talking about, you know, the visual arts, whatever, are often the uh, poor in business and really, really, really poor in sales, really poor in taking this thing that they have devoted their life into learning how to do. Now they've done it and asking for money. They're, they're really bad. And they'll say, I hate selling, but they will be the first ones to turn around. And a second later, they will be overpowering you with something that they love, that they think you need to try. You've got to read this book. You have got to see this movie, Kevin. Oh my, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. This rush. Seriously. You have not tried this food. Oh my 
my God. And they are selling like wildfire. Uh, you know, I want to videotape that and go, seriously, you don't like selling? You are killing me right now. And you're actually doing it, though, in a way that makes me want to go do that. And you won't do that for your product? Now, I, I get it. I get it because now we're talking about us. But when, but I'll see those same people and they do believe in their craft and what they're doing and what they're providing. But it's that mental block. And if we can get them to step away and say, look, what if your product, what, you did not need the money, okay? Bill Gates just gave you a couple, few million bucks in your, in your bank account as a grant. You don't need it anymore. It's just your job to get as many people to benefit from it, okay? No money on the table. They will then be talking about the benefits, the value value, whatever, because now the money's off the table, man, it's just a mind shift. And that's what, you know, that's what your dad, Tom was such a pro at is he sold with heart and made you see the value. And he would be open if he thought it wasn't for you. Again, I love that. I love walkaway power, treating it always like, well, even if I can't, if I'm not going to make that sale, I'm not going to make my mortgage this month. But I have got to get that out of my head and go into it with walkaway power. And we're back on the focus on the other person. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to what we started off with, which is uh, your belief, your self-image, and yeah. and how how much you believe in the product or service you offer, and how much confidence you have in your self-image. And if you're if you own and operate a business and you have uh, salespeople on your team, I want you to hear this. Uh, one of our Ziegler Legacy certified trainers, his name is Alan O'Neill, and he's over a huge uh, uh, plumbing and heating and air group called the Wrench Group. Um, a lot of HVAC. He's from Ireland. So he learned the HVAC trade in Ireland. He kind of gets the jackpot. He's allowed to come to the United States and he gets a job here and he goes to work for a, a, a HVAC company. And uh, I could be getting this story a little off, uh, but uh, he, he, or a plumbing company. I can't, I can't really remember. And he goes in and they have a program where they upsell, they upsell, uh, uh, you know, a type of service. And he's working there for three or four weeks. And every client he sees, he sells. Hmm. 100%. 100%. And he's like, man, the, the United States is awesome. Everybody loves this stuff. So he goes in, and I, I don't know if it was two weeks into it or a month into it, but his, his manager says, hey, Alan, man, what are you doing? This is, this is amazing. And he's like, what do you mean what I'm doing? I'm doing what you told me to. And they said, yeah, but your close rate's 100%, and you know, nobody else even averages 50. What are you doing? So they talked, and then he went on his next call, and he missed his first sale. <laughs> Wow. Why? Because the expectation was not a hundred percent. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yep. So I, I just love that, that story. That, that, I have a, I have a son, uh, my youngest son who's dealing with that with sports right now, especially running specifically. Uh, as a matter of fact, he stopped running. He's playing soccer because the focus isn't on him. The problem with running, he won every race and it got the pressure got to him to where he couldn't handle not winning. I even told him it got to be a joke. Okay. Have a good race, buddy. Get 10th today. All right. Get a good. And he'd look at me and get dad. I said, well, serious, I'm not going to love you less. You know, you'll still, we'll, we'll still be your family. And he just let that pressure get to him. It's funny that you would bring that up because we're, we're dealing with it right now.
Well, hey, I've got another one here and a story that you'll appreciate, Tom. Uh, Don uh, McAllen, he says, I hate asking for money. I occasionally do this. My most recent of my releases, he's a musician. He said, it cost me $30 to license it. I'd like to make that money back. But the only way is to have people buy the downloads. Uh, you know, and, and, and with music, he says, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Uh, obviously music these days, you know, on Spotify and, and whatnot, but just that I hate asking for money. It's a strong word that multiple people use. So I've got a story for you, Tom, uh, your doctor, Dr. Randy James, my dear friend and co-host of the true life show. That's where he was. He, so he's a tradition. He, he went through medical school in the air force, came out, he's got his MD started a practice doing medicine traditional way. And he couldn't stomach that because he realized we are just in his words and, and with all due respect, everybody, but just band-aiding. We are, we are managing people's illnesses. We are not helping them eradicate those illnesses. And he is, you know, today, uh, one of the top experts in functional medicine, which uh, we had somebody mention just before, which is getting to the root cause issues. And you got to spend a lot of time. You got to have a lot of knowledge to get to the bottom of what is causing a pathology and ailment for somebody and help them stop it and even eradicate it. We're going to have on the true life show. Matter of fact, I think it comes out in episode 42, uh, which is, is maybe next week as of this recording, Dr. Dale Bredesen, he's one of the foremost experts in Alzheimer's. And here we all think Alzheimer's is one of the top things that we think of. Yeah. You know, it just happens to you. you get it or you don't, it's hereditary, it's your genetics or whatever. And he is absolutely contrary to that for the most part. I mean, there's always a little bit about, about that can, that can be there, but his goal, no, not his goal, his achievement and what he wants as a goal to continue and further is stopping and reversing Alzheimer's. Well, actually even better than that is preventing it at all. But even those who have it stopping and preventing, that's a big medicine. This is big stuff. Okay. So back to, back to, to Randy and here he is as a doctor devoting all the years. So he went to medical school and then goes and gets his functional medicine degrees and he's helping people. The hardest thing for him, charging money for it, charging. He just, he just, he's just there to all he can think of is I'm just here to serve people. And especially if the price kept them from getting that kind of care. And you know what he did? He hurt his business. If he can't keep the lights on in the business, he can't serve anybody. If he can't keep the lights on in his house, even if he can, be over at his business, he's got some significant stress and it's ridiculous because if you look at it and let's go back to the value that we just talked about. I want folks to think about this, uh, whether you're in health and wellness or otherwise, but that's a really acute place is to look at it and who makes the most money in medicine, surgeons, people fixing something that's broken, who makes the least money, people like Randy who keep people from getting broken. Where should the money be? It's reversed, but that's the way that it is. We now need to showcase that and say, hey, what's the price of my going back to the lady who is pursuing functional medicine? What's the price of me helping you be well? It's priceless. If you get broken over here, you know, what's cancer going to cause or what's this ailment going to cause? X, Y, Z. What's, it, what's the value? Yeah, if you get cancer it's gonna, and you got to deal with that, it's going to cost, you know, $300,000 in bills. And over here, you're giving me flack for something that costs $3,000 that could possibly keep you from getting X, Y, Z. I mean, it is, it is significant. And we're back to, and I'll tell you today, Randy has come full circle. 
he is very happy, comfortable, and at peace with charging you a lot of money uh, because he has seen the value and he's had, uh, he's got more testimonies than he'll ever remember of people saying, you saved my life. You kept me from X, Y, Z. We had a lady recently on a Q&A show we did with the True Life podcast. She says, man, I've, my entire line of ancestry by, the t- by my age has already had heart attacks. Uh, she said, heart attacks, diabetes, um, maybe cancer. She's listed off these things. I don't want those things. And she's willing to pay to keep from those costs. So there's another way of looking at the value. What is the cost? You, you mentioned, Tom, that, yeah, the biggest competitor we have is somebody doing nothing, uh, you know, and in that same frame to say, Hey, what is the cost of this product or service or what I have? It's this, what's the cost if you don't do it? It's just another great way that fits most, especially services. Uh, and it's just a, a, the way that we don't tend to, man, if we can get that hat on, it's powerful. Yeah. You know, your that story, uh, reminds me of another story that happened to me earlier this year. Uh, and I want to make a bold statement. Uh, we all have facts happen to us, right? They're just facts. But here's the reality. Our opinion of that fact is where, where the pain is or where the victory is, hmm. right? I mean, people all the time, they get sick, they lose jobs, they have relationships break, uh, the business doesn't work. Those are all facts, but it's our opinion of those. What's our opinion? It's our self-belief, mm-hmm. right? It's our beliefs about it. So let me just kind of give you an example. Uh, Probably around April, we did uh, a special at Ziegler and it went out to our newsletter list. And we took a a couple of programs and we put them into a package and we offered them at a great discount. And it was, we didn't call it a pandemic special, but we know that everybody's out there suffering, but their suffering is more about the opinion of the facts than it is what's really going on, right? I mean, that's that's the business that we're in is we like to change people's mindset to help them to see that they can win, that they can have victory, that, you know, these things are going to make them stronger, that how they grow in this situation is going to create the future they've always wanted. And a negative attitude isn't going to help them in any way. That's the business that the foundation of what we're in. So we send this out and I get the email back from one of our uh newsletter. And basically he said, wow, I can't believe you're so greedy. You should be giving this stuff away right now. Yeah. And so, uh, because I know what we offer and I believe in what we offer, uh, I just responded back. I said, well, help me to be clear. It seems like we had four choices here. Uh, we could have left all the, you know, our, we believe that our, our programs change lives. And they're actually more needed now than they were a couple of months ago. So we had four choices. Just tell me which one you think we should have done. We, we could have left the price the same and said nothing, not marketed it. We could have left the price the same and marketed it. Or we could have created a special program price and not marketed it. Or we could have done what we did, which was create a special price and marketed it. Which one of those do you think would it, we should have done based on what our product or service does? Yeah. And so I just want you to know, when you get heat or criticism for charging value from someone, it's because they don't understand. 
right? It's because they have a problem with their own self-image and their own belief. And I'm not talking about price gouging. I'm not talking about charging $30 for a bo bottle or, you know, one can of Lysol, okay? That's yeah. price gouging because we know as a commodity, as a, as a, as a product, we know what that's worth, right? We know the, what it costs to pre create that. That's price gouging. When you, when you're selling something that changes somebody's life and you're, you know, like Randy does in his business and he keeps people <laughs> from, you know, a life changing event, a heart attack, you know, a, a stroke or any of the things that he does, what's the value to that? It's, it's, you can't even compare it. So I just want you to know, if you get criticized for, for charging value, for asking for value, like we did on an, on an offer, because, hey, guys, we're in a pandemic. We should just open the doors and let everybody take everything Ziegler has, right? Yeah. Because that would be the moral and right thing to do. Unfortunately, it's not, because the people who steal it doesn't work for them. It doesn't work for them. And if you don't have an investment in it, it's not going to work for you. Yep. Yep. That's just, again, we've got to get that perspective on right. That, this is, this is almost like we'll call this the sales perspective podcast. Uh, I got another one. I got another one. We may anchor the show with this one. Brian, uh, he says, selling has never been overly challenging for me. I fortunately have the gift of connecting with people, which is really the first step to effectively sell. In my humble opinion, you must connect which is more than small talk, but rather is the late Stephen Covey's habit of seeking to understand them first before you get them to understand you. Ask question after question. I'm in the insurance business, so my questions are geared towards asking them what's important to them in their lives, what their fears are, and if they're open to a comprehensive solution tailored to them to protect what's important to them. Price is a factor, but only after they understand the power of the solution. And price becomes less and less of an issue when you provide value to people in their lives, uh, reaching the apex in the relationship where they truly know you have their back and are honest and transparent. Great overview there. And, you know, him saying that he has a, I want to hit, there's a couple points I want to hit, Tom. One, that he has the gift of connecting with people. If you are, I mean, again, as, as your dad, as Zig says, we are all in sales. If we want to influence anybody in any way, that is sales. So if you're a parent, you're in sales. If you ever want to have a romantic relationship, you're in sales. Uh, I mean, we're, we're all in sales. But now I will speak to those who are on the front lines. Can we say that, Tom? Uh, front lines of sales. That if you are, you must be able to connect with people, but you don't have to. I, I want to pick that out because I'm afraid, as you know, Tom, I'm afraid a lot of people still think that it's something that you are a natural at. You have to be an extrovert and you need to just naturally connect to people. Well, I am not an extrovert. I am one of the more introverted people I know. And according to my family, they agree. I am very introverted and I did not come through it naturally. I grew up with Zig Ziglar and as they mentioned, Stephen Covey and Dale Carnegie. And I was taught this stuff, how to connect. So later in life, people would say that, oh, you know, Kevin's a natural connector. And I'm just laughing going, no, first off, I'd be fine just to be by myself most anytime. So I'm here out of an effort and the ability that I may have to connect is stuff that I learned that, I mean, that right there. And again, I want to pull a couple pieces out of what Brian said, but that one right there, Tom, 
I do think that that's one of the bigger myths for sales is that you need to be a natural. And your dad it was infamous for saying he was not a natural. And of course, if anybody's read his story, they see that he was not good at sales when he first started. He was not good on the stage when he started, but people still, I, we have to, that's when we need to repeat probably every, every other show. You know, to me, probably the thing that you, the skill that you just really have to get good at in sales is curiosity. Hmm. You've just got to be curious. You got to ask the questions. Of course, you've got, an, and this is easier for introverts. Introverts, they know their product and their service. They they study all that stuff, right? Because a lot of times introverts are a little bit more analytical. Uh, they're a little bit more, you know, why does this work? What's the value in this? So you've already got that going for you if that's who you are. But wow, if you're just curious and you know the right questions to ask, then the, the other person, you want them to talk anyway. S selling is not telling. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. That's so in huge, a yeah. yeah. Selling is not telling. So in a relationship, uh, whoever talks more, that's the buyer. <laughs> yes. That's, <laughs> gosh. And that and again, Tom, I, I'm just laughing because it's just, it's a tragic laugh because it is so rare. It is so rare today in today's age, as of this recording, September, uh, September, 2020, that is not the norm. Whoever's selling is the one telling, and that is the norm. It's, it's mind boggling. You know, you said curious, you need to be curious. And the first thought I had, Tom was you, it, you, it'd be great if you were naturally curious, but if you're not just be learned curious, I am not naturally curious. I am learned curious, not only out of how to sell well, but just ethically, I should care about that person. Even if I internally don't really, it's just an admission. I don't, not that I don't care about them as a human, but I don't care to have this conversation. I don't care. You know, I, but ethically I should. So a learned curiosity, but this is that, you know, there are some tactics that people can use. And I want to pull out folks. I'm holding up a book for those of you who will be seeing the video, exactly what to say. This is from Phil M. Jones. He was highly recommended uh, to me to be on the show. And he was, it was episode 723. Really powerful. This is a little book you can get through in, I don't know, an hour, 45 minutes, depending on how much you read. And it has, I think 10 points. The very first one, Tom, is one I absolutely love. And I want to point it out just because I love the perspective of it. And going back to what you talked about, and what Brian said, that we are there to interview the person. If we think about every sales as, hey, you know, let's talk a minute and see if this is for you. That's a great way. I mean, that is, that is morality right there and ethics. Let's see if this is right. for you because it may not be. Okay, that's his first point. Literally, he's talking about these are things to say in the sales process. Number one, I'm not sure if it's for you. But dot, dot, dot. And he literally goes, and we talked about it in the show. He goes through the psychology of what that does in your brain. That takes away that pressure point of it, it may not be for you. And what I have done, you can take that further. And you've done this and seen it so many times, Tom, that I'll be talking with somebody if they bring up enough uh, enough things, you know, against enough, enough reject, you know, not rejections, but just, ah, you know, questions about it. I'll just meet and go, you know what? You, you, you may be right. You may be this and this, this may just not be, you know, for you. I know you want this result, but this may not be for you. And quick as can be so often. And it is just so interesting from a psychological standpoint, they are talking now, talking you into why it is that for them, they don't want to be left out. 
And that's folks, again, if you, this is, you know, if you have not read Secrets of Closing the Sale by Zig Ziglar, please go do it. That's just your Bible and your handbook for selling. And this goes into this. You can do these things. And if you, but if you hear them as being manipulative, you know what? You can, you can use them manipulatively. That's on you. That's, it's like using money for, you know, greedy power or to help people. That's on you. Money's not bad. These tactics are not bad. These are the tactics that help people get something that they may not make a decision. They're, they're going to not make a decision, not help themselves, but you've got to understand if they really need it or not. Uh, so yeah, these are tactics, but it's amazing. You need to know them to help people get the product or service that they may need, but they don't want to make a decision They're They are concerned about the money and you need to help them if you have deemed that this is for you. So going back to what Brian talked about with just questions, questions, I love the perspective of you are well, here on The Ziggler Show, people call me a professional interviewer, right? If you're in sales or trying to influence somebody, you should be a professional interviewer. If you're a parent, you should be a professional interviewer of your kids. If you're a spouse, you should be a professional interviewer of your spouse. Anyone you care about, if you want to serve them well and have any influence, being a professional interviewer. I, I like that. We should write that book, Tom. That's a good, that's a good title. <laughs> Can I say that humbly as the most yeah. humble person on the planet? be a professional interview, but conceptually that's just, it is, it's so foundational. Yeah. Love it. Love it too, man. Good stuff. I, I, I really think we, you know, this is these folks, this is why I love the Q and a shows. They bring out the heart. You and I could sit here and try to think of what people need to hear. And they tell us what we need here. And they just bring out Brian. He didn't ask a question. He just pointed out he's living it right now. So yeah, I hope that helped some folks and uh, it always helps me, Tom. I will never, ever, ever arrive at the top of Salem where I don't need to hear this stuff because I can't see the forest for the trees so often with my own product or service. And I'm sitting there talking about it. Uh, thank God you and I were just talking about our book writing. I'm grateful for literary agents and editors uh, to help bring out the best because I get lost in my own stuff. We all do. I hope that gives everybody some grace for themselves as they're looking at some of these issues. Tom, man, always a gift. Good stuff, Kevin. Okay, friends, this show should have you feeling so much more confident and excited to sell your product, to ask for a fair price for the value you provide. That's right there. Probably the exercise that's going to help you most is to think about the value you really provide, folks. Coming up in episode 821, I bring you Mark Tim. Mark, highly accomplished businessman. You may know him from being CEO of Ziegler Family. I've had him on the show multiple times. Well, over the past couple of years, he has become friends and business partners with Kevin Harrington. That's the original shark from Shark Tank. Now they've got a book. And in the show, we cover the contents. We cover mentoring and kick off with how you can find a mentor. That's the biggest question when we talk about mentoring. Then we talk about family and having as much success with your family as you do with your work by applying the same principles. We also get into Mark sharing some of the key tips he's learned from Kevin that is exploding his business, but that again, he's also applying to his family. Uh, this book is, is just incredible. It also is a playbook for the best of the best of Kevin Harrington's advice on how he built his businesses that we can all use in our own businesses, work, career. 
The new book is called Mentor to Millions. It is just about to release. You're going to want to hear this show. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>